0: Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina.
1: I'm trying to honor you in my life. I'm trying to be the right kind of wife. I'm trying to be the right kind of husband. I'm trying to be the right kind of employee. I'm trying to be the right kind of parent. God, I'm trying to do this or that. Or God, I feel like this is something I'm supposed to be doing. And to be honest, God, I, I, it kind of feels like you, you're you're putting some roadblocks up.
0: Most of us would agree that life can be pretty tough at times, and as followers of Jesus, we're not immune from that. But what happens when it appears that God is the one making things hard?
1: You ever felt like God was the one that perhaps was making this harder than it ought to be? Now, of course, theologically, we know that that is not true. God is always for us. Let me say that again. God is always for us.
0: Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. In our Alone series, we come today to the story of a young man named Gideon. He was a farmer living in Israel during a time when the nation was being persecuted by their enemies. Now as Pastor Clay is going to explain in today's message, the people of Israel had brought this on themselves by turning away from God and allowing false idols and false gods to be worshipped in their land. God called on Gideon to help restore Israel, but the task was going to be very hard. As a matter of fact, as Gideon was going to learn, God was going to make sure that the task he gave Gideon was impossible for Gideon to accomplish in his own strength.
1: This is something Gideon failed to see and that we sometimes fail to see, and that is that God's perspective is always bigger than ours, always, every time.
0: God was going to make it harder for Gideon, but God always has a purpose in what he does, and Gideon was going to learn that God knows exactly what he is doing now. Here's Pastor Glenn. I want, to you to the
1: cross. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been at a place in your life and you're trying to do something uh, that, and you're trying to do the right thing? You're trying to honor God with your life. You're trying to make the right decisions. You're trying to live the right way. You're, you're trying to do life in a way, uh, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you're trying to do life in a way that you think will honor Him. You're trying to do something that you feel like uh, He's led you to do. And as you're trying to do that, it it almost seems like everything and everybody is against you while you're trying to do that. Y- yeah, y'all know what I'm saying? Last night as I was going over my message and praying through it and you know, the stuff that I do on Saturday night, uh, I was thinking uh, this uh, weekend, of uh, uh, course, is the marks the commemoration of the life of Dr. Martin Luther King uh, Jr. And uh, I, I was thinking about uh, the, the civil rights movement. And I was just a little boy when it was going on. But I was thinking about the civil rights movement and this, this uh, to, to borrow a line from his speech, this dream that he had that uh, men and women that all men and women could come to this place boys and girls could could come to this place of recognition that all of us are equal in the sight of god that all of us are the same in the sight of god this 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 what surely was a god honoring dream that he had sadly uh, a significant number of people opposed that that dream that that vision that idea that that people could all be thought of as the same and being being equal before God and in the sight of God and in the sight of man that they could all be there were a significant number of, sadly there's a significant number of people opposed to that even more sadly was the reality that a significant number of those people opposed to that dream sat in church pews every Sunday morning and sang Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Y'all could help me with this, all right. (laughs) Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. To which they should have added a verse. It's a good thing he does because we don't. I'm just saying, you know, this sermon is not about civil rights, not about... Dr. Martin Luther King, is not, it's, not, it, it's about that idea that, that you're trying to do something that you feel is right, that you think is God-honoring, that you feel like God has led you to do, and it seems like you're facing this opposition, right? People are against you. Of course, we obviously ought to know that the enemy, that Satan is against us, and anything that we would desire to do that would honor God, that would glorify God, you, could, you can just live in the expectation that the enemy is going to come against this. But, have you ever felt like God was the one that was making this harder you ever felt like God was the one that perhaps was was making this harder than it ought to be now of course theologically we know that that is not true God is always for us let me say that again God is always for us everything that he does including discipline which he has to do which we'll talk about in a moment, even discipline he does out of love, but out of out of concern for his people, for his children. Uh, and so we know that God is always for us. God is always for us. We say that out loud. God is always for me. God is always for me. But it doesn't always feel that way, does it? Now, come on, we, we can be honest. It's just us here today, right? Doesn't always feel that way. Sometimes it feels like God, man, I'm, I'm trying to do this thing. I'm trying to, I'm trying to honor you in my life. I'm trying to be the right kind of wife. Or I'm trying to be the right kind of husband. I'm trying to be the right kind of employee. I'm trying to, right, trying to be the right kind of pastor. God, I'm trying, right, trying to be the right kind of neighbor. God, uh, I'm trying to be the right kind of parent. God, I'm trying to do this or that. Or God, I feel like this is what something I'm supposed to be doing. And, and God, I, I, you, just, you just don't seem to be helping here. And, and to be honest, God, I, I, it kind of feels like you, you're, you're putting some roadblocks up, Towards this, right? Well, we, we'd never say that out loud, like to anybody to hear. Maybe we thought it. I, I, I'm kind of wondering whether a, a, a guy by the name of Gideon felt that way. Uh, Gideon was a farmer boy. He was a redneck. That's right. Woo! I, we, rednecks, I grew up in a farming town. I grew up on a, on a dairy farm. We, we need some sort of, you know, you, you Marines, Russell, y'all have hoorah. Right, we rednecks. We need something. Would somebody come up with something for rednecks? Let me know what that is. But we need something. Yeeha. That's. Right. I should have thought of that. Yeehaw! Are y- are y'all today, y'all can be uh, honorary redneck. So everybody together. Yeehaw! <laughs> so I'm wondering whether this guy Gideon ever felt that way because uh, Gideon was this farmer boy and uh, God was going to was going to ask of him to do something that's absolutely amazing. In fact, he was going to ask him to do something that was absolutely impossible. And what we're going to see is that while Gideon had some issues to work through, and we're going to look at those, uh, Gideon had some issues to work through, but what we're going to see is that Gideon was actually willing to do it. Gideon's this, this, is this farmer guy, right? And he's out there and, uh, and, and God's going to ask him to do something amazing. And uh, like I said, Gideon's got some issues to work through. But we're going to find is that he's willing to do it. And when he moves forward in an attempt to do it, it really seems like God makes it harder for him to accomplish what God has called him to do. See if we can some learn some things uh, maybe that we can apply to our lives. When God calls us to do some things. And perhaps at times it feels like it's harder than it ought to be. Judges chapter 6, I'm going to read uh, this morning verses 1 through 12 to kind of set the table about this guy, Gideon. In the next two weeks, we're going to learn some things from Gideon about what we do when hard times hit our life, when difficulties, and when, when we evaluate them, when it honestly seems like, man, it, it kind of feels like God's in the, working against me here in this situation. Judges uh, chapter 6, beginning in, in verse 1. Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian seven years. You know, I'm, I'm going to stop right there because I'm just thinking as I'm reading that. Uh, we, particularly as Americans, we live in such a rushed culture. You know, time is such a... I'm just saying as I read that, that God allows his persecution to come into their life for seven years. Uh, we're, we're ready to throw in the towel after seven minutes, man. We're like, oh my gosh, Lord, what are you doing? Gave them into the hands of, the, of, the, of Midian uh, seven years. And the power of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of Midian, the sons of Israel made for themselves the dens which were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. They're hiding out in holes in the ground. It's so bad. Remember, God had given them this this land. He'd given them this promise. He'd given them. Now they're hiding in caves and holes in the ground. For it was when Israel had, had sown that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the sons of the east, and go against them. So they would camp against them, destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, and leave no substance in Israel, as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come in like locusts for numbers. Both they and their camels were innumerable, and they came into the land to devastate it. So Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the sons of Israel cried to the Lord. It is times like that that we tend to cry to the Lord, isn't it? That's not a bad thing. Now, it came about when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord on account of Midian. "...that the Lord sent a prophet to the sons of Israel, and he said to them... "...thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, it was I who brought you up from Egypt... ...and brought you out from the house of slavery. I delivered you from the hands of the Egyptians and from the hands of all your oppressors." Notice the history lesson he's given them. Y'all don't like it sometimes, I give you history lesson. There's, There's purposes in that. "...and dispossessed them before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live." But you have not. What's that next word? Obeyed. Obeyed me. And then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press in order to save it from the Midianites. He's he's threshing wheat. He's he's trying to get seed, and he's doing it in a wine press to, to try and hide it because the Midianites are going to take it all. Verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. <laughs> God, uh, this is a, it's a, it's an interesting story. It's an amazing story. Uh, we're going to probe into it this morning and, and more next week if you tarry, Lord Jesus, and if you allow me to stand before these, your people. Um, but I, I pray today that as we look at uh, Gideon's life and learn about that, that we'd be constantly making application to our life. Uh, because, Father, when, when we walk out of here uh, today in a little while, I don't know what difference this makes if it doesn't change my life, if I don't begin to make application of what I find in your word, some truths that, that I hope to reveal to your people. And, and it's nothing new, Lord. It's stuff they've probably thought about and read before, but... But you've given me this, this high privilege of getting to communicate your truth to your people. And so I want them to get it. I want them to understand. I want myself, my family, this church family uh, to grow in our understanding of you. We want to be used by you. We want to understand it even at times when it seems like, God, you're, even you are against us. Help us to recognize that you are at work and that there is much that you can do through us and that you have your purposes in everything that you do. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are your ways above our ways. And I don't have to understand everything you ha- that you are doing. I just have to be obedient. And the obedience that you call us to is, is not some, some slavish thing. It is for our good what you call us to do is for our good, whether we realize it at the time or not. So uh, God, uh, for whatever all is people are dealing with in their lives today, I think of my sister Gail down front here who's recently lost her husband, the Webster family who be having funeral service for Clyde uh, tomorrow. God, much stuff going on and more stuff to come in 2017. Some of these, some of the, Middle schoolers and high schoolers in this room are going to face traumatic events, or it'll seem like it in their lives in 2017. Children, adults, thank you that you are a God who is above every single bit of it. Every second, every event, every need, every wrongful act that is committed on us, you are above it all, you know it all, and you will accomplish your purposes as we surrender our lives to you. I pray over this body uh, that is cross culture church that we uh, would be people uh, truly that understand it's not about a religion. It really is about a relationship. In your name. Amen. Okay, so we set the we set the table. Here's, here's what's happening in Gideon. Uh, I want to share an ID with you and uh, then we're going to we're going to Jump into stuff and read, go back to more verses, read some more verses. But uh, starting with an, with an overarching idea today, which is this. God knows you better than you know you. And maybe, even if you don't believe it at this moment, maybe you even would like to say that uh, with me, sub- substituting me for you or whatever. God knows me better than I know me. You don't seem very convinced. But let's see if I can if I can kind of set the table here. Israel had gotten themselves into a mess, which they often did they had uh they had left serving the one true god they had gone into idol worship they had they had allowed false gods and the influence of false gods to come into their land they'd set up idols to Baal and asherah poles we'll talk about some of those things and uh they 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 had as the bible sometimes put it they they had they were playing the harlot they they had gone after chasing after other gods and 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 god's you know overarching principle is, I am the Lord God, there is no other. You, sh- you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And they were going in a different direction, right? They're, they're going after their things. And so God allows the, the, uh, the Midianites and the Amalekites and whatever other ites to basically come down and do whatever they want to do to the people of Israel. Now you may not like that. You may not like that idea. You may say, "Well, that, that doesn't that doesn't sound like a, a, a very loving uh, God." You may not like that, but I would remind you, if you and if you've read the story or any of the other places that it happens in Scripture, God told them in advance that is exactly what would happen if they if they left Him, if they if they went away from Him, if they strayed away from Him. God told them in advance that He would remove His hand of. Of protection from them, and their enemies would be on them like a preacher on a piece of fried chicken. They would; it, it, the enemy would would come down on them hard, and that's exactly what happened. And so, you know, they they uh, they, they finally kind of come to their uh, senses at some point. They begin to uh, cry out uh, to God. By the way, I need to say this: uh, we don't have any, uh, far as I know, we don't have any Midianites or. Amalekites or or that type of thing around here, around us anymore, but the principle is still exactly the same. If you have entered into a covenant relationship with the Lord God, which we do by acknowledging our sinfulness, acknowledging the fact that we cannot pay for our sins and that God sent His Son to be the payment for our sins, and when we, by faith, reach out to God and his, His sacrificial gift... We receive eternal life. We are adopted into the family of God. We become known as children of God. Praise God for the privilege of being called children of God. Praise God for the privilege of his grace and his mercy being demonstrated in our lives. Praise God that we we have the security of heaven and the promise of all that God has for us. But as any loving parent will do. When we step out of his will, when we refuse to do what he has directed us to do or asked us to do, which, by the way, he always asks us to do for our good. Everything God instructs us to do has its purposes. And when, when we disobey, when we turn away, when we decide we're not going to do that, when we, whatever it is, the reasons uh, we do that. Like any loving parent, he is going to bring discipline into your life. He's going to bring discipline into my life. That's just what he does because any of you that are parents or any of you that have had parents, which I think pretty much everybody, uh, you, you know that that's what parents do. They bring discipline. Why? Because they love you. So, uh, so they, they, uh, this goes on for seven years and they cry out, finally begin to turn and cry out and cry out to God for help and, and assistance and, and all this kind of stuff. And, 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 and God raises up a, a young man by the name of Gideon. All right? Like I said, Gideon has his issues. We're going to talk about some of those and, uh, and what's going on. So uh, here's, here's the idea that we're kind of working with under that. Here's what we need to understand. Your inadequacy is simply God's opportunity. The first thing you need to know, Gideon has some issues that maybe you and I can identify with. Your inadequacy is simply God's opportunity. I got y'all saying a lot of stuff today, but would y'all say that? My inadequacy is simply God's opportunity. Watch what happens. I want to read it to you in verses uh, 13, and you'll see it up on the screen, of course, as well. Beginning in verse 13. So, so God greets him in verse 12, and he, says, and, 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 he, and he says to him in verse 12, He says, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior! O valiant warrior! Then Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord! That's <laughs> probably what he said, Oh, my Lord! <laughs> if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Can you identify with that? And, and, and where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Right? Well, all these miracles we read about in here. Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? He said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. But the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. Your inadequacy is simply God's opportunity. Gideon clearly had some issues. Let's look at those, beginning with, with this one. Gideon had an inadequate theology. Gideon had an inadequate understanding of God. That's what theology basically means. He had an inadequate and insufficient an inaccurate understanding of who God is. You see, here's the deal. Gideon made the classic mistake, and I think some of y'all can identify with this. I certainly know that I can. Gideon made the classic mistake of thinking that the absence of God's observable actions meant the absence of God's presence. Do you know what, you sure what I'm saying? What does Gideon say? Oh, if God is with us, if God's really with us, why is all this happening to us? Why, why, why are the, the, the Midianites coming down on us? And, and by the way, they're stealing all our food and our cattle and, and they're doing all this kind of stuff. And what about all those miracles? Our fathers told us about all those miracles and we don't see any of that stuff happening today. So what in the world? What's going on? I don't, I don't see any of this. It's a classic mistake of assuming that the absence of God's observable actions meant the absence of God's Presence. And you and I are guilty of the same thing at times in our life. God, I don't, I don't, I don't see you doing anything. God, I, I don't see... I want you to work in this situation. And God, I, I prayed yesterday on the way to work about this. And, and, and I, don't, I don't see anything happening. I don't see you working. And God, what in the world is going on? It's a classic mistake of thinking that, that somehow God's not there. And it's, and it's just... It's just not true. It's inadequate theology. It's a, it's, a, it's a misunderstanding to think that just because you can't see God at work doesn't mean God's not at work. Just because you can't see God doing anything doesn't mean that God is not with you in that thing that you're wanting him to do something about. You understand? He's there. That's, that's clearly what God is, t- is talking to Gideon about. You're, you, this, is, this is a classic mistake you're making here, Gideon. You've got bad theology. You think because bad things are happening... Gideon never stopped to think that God had purposes. See, this is, I talk about this a lot. This is something Gideon failed to see and that we sometimes fail to see. And that is that God's perspective is always bigger than ours. Always, every time. And, and, and all Gideon could see, and maybe, maybe you can relate all Gideon could see was this mess, this hurt, this, this trouble, this problem, this, this tornado, this whatever's going on. All he could see was this because this is, this is where he was and he couldn't see anything beyond that. God sees that. God sees what's all the stuff that's going on in your life. But God sees so much more and he sees an end game. He sees a picture that he has here and what he's trying to do so that God uses that tornado, uses those circumstances, uses, yes, even uses the enemy to achieve something greater that you and I may not understand. Failing to realize that god's perspective is always bigger than ours, so what about you? what about you and your theology? Do you have an adequate theology or do you tend to doubt the moment something's not working out the moment something's going? do you tend to question where is God? what is God doing? Why is this not happening what is it I, 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 I have those feelings at times in my life. Ministry God's called me to and all that kind of thing. Where, where is God? See, you can't, we can't make the classic mistake of thinking that just because we can't see what God is doing, it doesn't mean God's not there. Here's uh, something else about Gideon. He had an inadequate faith. He had an inadequate faith. Great to see you, oh, valiant warrior. Oh, uh, Lord, I, you, you can't, you you can't use me. I, I I, I, my my family we're, we're we're like nothing even in the tribe of Manasseh we're we're just nobodies and 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 by the way God I'm I'm even the youngest in my my family besides all that I I just you know I know I, or I just feel like maybe I shouldn't I don't know but I feel like I know that sometimes God must just want to just respond and say oh oh really <laughs> hello. Mick Jehovah Jireh, what am I doing? Oh, I didn't realize that you're, that, I, I must have been misinformed. I thought y'all's tribe was somebody. I, I, I thought, I, I, you're the youngest, fa- how did I get that mixed up? You're the youngest in the family? Well, you're right, I clearly cannot use you. You know, I just think sometimes God must, must really want to respond that way. As, because that's, that's how we act. We act like, we act like God, there's something about us that God doesn't know because if he did he sure wouldn't have picked us for this thing he would he wouldn't have picked me to do that if if he knew me he he must have not right i can't listen here's a principle here's a principle for you to apply to your life okay there's something for you to remember listen to me listen to me those of you that that Feel insignificant in this world. Those of you that listen to me, teenager, that think that that well, I'm not popular or nobody knows me or or I, I'm not athletic enough or I'm not talented enough or I'm not uh, wealthy enough or I'm not educated enough or I'm listen to me. Here's a principle that you need to apply to your life. I may be insignificant in the world's eyes and even in my own eyes, but I am never insignificant in God's eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeehaw. That's right, folks. I am never insignificant. As a matter of fact, I've got y'all saying all kinds of stuff. So would you say, would you repeat this with me? Even if you're not sure that you mean it yet, act like you do. I may be, come on, I may be insignificant in the world's eyes and in my own eyes, but I am never insignificant in God's eyes. Oh, I, you know, you could never use me to do that, Lord. I, oh, God, no, I could, I could never share my faith with that person. Or no, oh, God, you... No, listen. That that's you see. God knows you better than you know you. God sees what we can be in Him, in His power. See, you and I, we see ourselves, and we say, "Well, I, I, I can't do this like like so and so can, or or such and such. They, they they've got all this uh, resource to work with. I I can't do that, or I can't. That that's what we see, right?" God sees what we can be in his strength. See, here's what, here's what Gideon didn't understand. He didn't understand that it was because of his inadequacies that God could use him. It was because he wasn't the biggest and the baddest that God could do something with him that would demonstrate God's power and not his own. You feel inadequate, you feel insignificant, you you feel unknown or, or unathletic or un, uh, whatever. Yeehaw! Because... Because you're, because you may be exactly where you need to be for God to use you how He wants to use you. Stop looking at everybody else and saying, "Wow, they're, wow, they've really got their act together. They, they've really got this and that." Boy, I wish I, wish I had a this or no, 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 no. Right? In it's, it's, he's he's got an inadequate theology and he's got an inadequate faith. He's just he's not at a place yet to recognize this. So here's a, a, another idea, real quickly that we're going to try and. Uh, get to in this your uncertainty meets God's clarity now stay with me in this because this is this you need to you're gonna have to discern some of this for yourself where you are your uncertainty meets God's clarity right Cause see watch what happens in verse uh, 17 and following y'all with me so here so Gideon said to him oh, well if now I have found favor in your sight then then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me Please do not depart from here until I come back to you and, and bring you my offering and lay it before you. And he said, I will remain until you return. And then Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. And he put the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot. And he brought them out to him under the oak and presented them. Uh, presented them. And the angel of God said to him, uh, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. Apparently angels don't like soup. I don't, don't know, so... I'm sorry. And he did so. And then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and the fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. When Gideon saw that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace to you, do not fear. You will not die. There's a sense of fear and trepidation, knowing that you're in the presence of God. And then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, the Lord is peace. And to this day, it is still in Oprah of the hard word. Here's Gideon. Okay, Lord, uh, if you're with me, I'm not sure about it, but if you're with me, let, let, show me a sign. Give me a sign. Now, what we're going to find is, as we've progressed this uh, this week and next week, is that Gideon actually asks on three separate occasions for a sign. And on three separate occasions, God gives him a sign, and even God gives Gideon a fourth sign that Gideon doesn't even ask for. But, I, I think... It's something we need to we need to consider uh, about this. It's something we need to think about. The line between resting in God and testing God is a thin one. Okay, that's what I, I just want to say this to you. The line between resting in God and testing God is a thin one, and and I, I, I'm I'm kind of thinking this is kind of un, uncharted waters here that Gideon is venturing into to some respects. So remember, God knows you better than you know you, and that's the key here. But You have to be careful with this. You have to be careful with this idea of testing uh, God. Now, there are a number of places in Scripture where God uh, uh, gives people a sign without them asking for one. There are several places you can find that. In Isaiah, uh, I think it's chapter 11, somewhere around verse 7, God actually invites King Ahaz to ask him for a sign. As far as I know, that's the only place in Scripture where that occurs. God actually encourages Ahaz to ask him for a sign. Mary didn't ask for a sign, but she did ask for clarification because she just wanted to know how can she give birth to the son of God since she's a virgin. In Matthew chapter 16 and Mark chapter 8, uh, Jesus clearly demonstrates his displeasure toward the people of his day because they asked for a sign. So all I'm saying is there's a there's a, there's a line here between when I'm resting in God, and when I'm when I'm uh, testing in God. The key that I said mentioned about coming back to is that god knows you better than you know you god knew gideon's heart and apparently that made all the difference in the world remember gideon's a young a fairly young boy he's probably a teenager something like that He's a fairly young young boy uh and god knows exactly where he he is and that he perhaps is not that he's not had this opportunity to grow up in his faith yet so here's, here's what you discover. Here, here's what we discover as a result of this. Gideon wasn't stalling. Gideon was crawling. In other words, Gideon's not looking for an out. It, this becomes clear as the text unfolds. Gideon's not looking for an out. He's not looking for a way... And you and I have done this, I suspect. Gideon's not looking for ways. Oh, you know... Some other time, God. Or, or no, God, I, I couldn't do that. Or, no, God, you made some mistake. Or, God, well, God, just, you know, let me... Uh, let me think about this. Or God, how about if you? Uh, how about if you do? You know, if you do this, you know, if God, if a if a bus comes by um, my uh, workplace on Thursday at four eighteen uh, p.m. and uh, you know, then okay, that Gideon wasn't stalling. Gideon was crawling. He was simply not there yet in his faith walk. He was he was willing to, and we're going to see that he's willing to move forward. But he's just he. He's just well, God. I, I I've seen no evidence in my life uh, for the last seven years, which is probably you know he, he was he was young. So as uh, long as I can remember, I, I've just been oppressed. I've heard all these stories about how great you are and how you're for us and all these miracles. But God, I don't I haven't seen any of it in my life. So now you're telling me I'm gonna you're gonna raise me up and I'm gonna wipe out the Midianites. God, I, there's a lot of them. I, I'm not sure how many there are, but there's a lot of them. So God, would would you would you let me? Would you just wait right here? Let me go get the and. And he asks for a sign, and God gives it to him. But the truth is, Gideon wasn't stalling, he was crawling. Now, that, that begs two questions in our life, okay? Make some application here for our life. Here, here's the first one. In your faith relationship with God, are you crawling or are you stalling? And, and you know, don't, don't, don't think of it, I mean, don't necessarily think of it in big picture terms. Think of it about a specific something in your life. It, it could be sharing your faith. It could be getting over a hurt, forgiving. It could be uh, being that that husband God has called you to be, being that wife God has called you to be, being that obedient child that God has called you to be. Area that you're struggling. It could be work. It's just, you know, so many things. It could be financial. Are you crawling or are you stalling? Are you just, in the end, if you value you in your life and say, you know what, I... Really, I, I keep saying this i 've been for two years now, for two months now, for eight years now i've been and here 's where I am i 'm still in this same place it 's a question that you and I need to ask ourselves, and maybe always continually ask ourselves, God, well, am I, am I really crawling? Am I just not there yet in my faith, and, and I need to see something more, or am I really just kind of stalling in life? The second question. Obviously connected to it is this: in your faith relationship with God, if you are crawling, if you could say, "You know, I'm just not quite there yet. I'm willing to, but I, I'm just coming along, kind of slow." If you are crawling, should you be walking by now? Because you can only crawl so long. You know what I'm saying? Spiritually speaking, you should only crawl so long. Uh, a couple of passages of scripture uh, in in the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter four. But speaking the truth in love, we are to what's those next two words? Grow up. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him. To grow up into, to be like Jesus. Right? That's what we say a lot. Who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body is being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. There's not only an admonition of, of individual personal growing up, but it's the body of Christ collectively growing up, maturing. According to the proper work of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Grow up. If I am crawling, should I really be walking by now? And here's another one, uh, Hebrews chapter 5. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. The writer of Hebrews is, he's, he's getting on to him. And you you, you claim you've been a believer for X amount of time. you... you you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Everybody's it, saying, you you got to you gotta grow up. you got to grow up. Stop, spiritually speaking, sucking your thumb And crawling around saying, oh, uh, you understand what he's saying? Stop. Ask yourself that question. Am I stalling or am I crawling? If I am crawling, should I be walking by now? God knows you better than you know you. God will bring into your life. God will give you Signs. God will impress on you what he wants you to do, and he'll give you evidence that he's with you if that's genuinely where you are and if it's genuinely what you need in your life. But you need to, you need to honestly evaluate your life and say, am I, am I just stalling at this? I know I've told this story before, but it's probably been a while. When Cindy and I surrendered to vocational ministry um, November 8th, I think it was November 8th, uh, 1992. I think this year is 25 years since I surrendered to, to ministry, vocational ministry. Um, this was in November, and uh, I felt this immediate urge. So I, I, got a, I dropped out of college when I was a freshman, didn't know what I wanted to do and all this kind of stuff. And so I, I felt this compulsion. I needed to go back to school. I need to get an education. I needed to feel like that, that would help me. Uh, and so I needed to go to college, and I needed to go to seminary and, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, so we live in Tennessee, and we're like, how, you know, well, it's going to be a lot. How are we, we going to do this? Uh, I found a school in Atlanta, a good uh, Bible-centered, uh, small little seminary and Bible college down there. But h- I don't know how we're going to do this, raising three kids and, uh, you know, all this kind how is it going to happen? And uh, Christmas time, you know, everybody, or this was, we don't do as much anymore, but back then people used to give a lot of Christmas cards. Some of y'all still do, uh, and thank you for those, but uh, we don't do them. Anyway, uh, I, we got a bunch of Christmas cards, you know, you always did. We got Christmas cards, we got Christmas cards, and... Um, a Sunday and went home from church on a Sunday afternoon, messing around, whatever we were doing, eating it, watching football, whatever we were doing. And uh, uh, this lady, Marge Rudd, she's in the choir. She calls, and uh, she asked uh, Cindy, uh, have, y'all, have y'all opened? Because she'd given, us, given Cindy a Christmas card on the way out of choir. Uh, choir, by the way, is like something they used to do where people would gather all together, and they'd wear these robes, and they'd sing. Some of y'all wouldn't know what that <laughs> So she would not us a Christmas card, and so she calls in the afternoon. She's like, D- did, did you open your Christmas card? And we hadn't. I mean, we weren't un- unappreciative about getting a Christmas card, but it's just like not, it's not the first thing on your mind. I can't wait to get home and open our Christmas card. I just wasn't, wasn't thinking about that. And, uh, and so we, you know, we said, okay, oh, I guess we better open the Christmas card. And so we opened the Christmas card, and there was a check in there for $1,000. And, um, and it, was, it, was a it was a good day. It was a good Christmas card she was afraid she called because she was afraid that uh, maybe there's some people that don't even read their christmas card maybe they just chunk them out you know christmas card. <laughs> maybe they're afraid we had done that um and, and so they want us and, so, and, and and i'm telling you in that moment it was just it was just a confirmation you know what god was doing god was saying to us we were crawling this is a brand new thing i just ran into ministry we we're crawling and he says what are you what are you what are you what are you waiting for what are you doing sitting here H- have i not called you Will I not provide for you? And for us it was really good confirmation and, the, and, and we were ready to go by the next summer, sold our house and moved to Atlanta and moved into that next chapter of our, our lives. So it's, it's understanding that God knows you better than you know you. Look at this passage of Scripture real quickly. Holy smokes, got to go. First Corinthians chapter 1. Brothers and sisters, look at what you were when God called you. Not many of you were wise in the way the world judges wisdom. Not many of you had great influence. Not many of you came from important families. You see, none of that stuff matters to God. It's not that it's a bad thing if you are from there. It's it's not a bad thing if you're wealthy. It's not a bad thing if you're prominent. It's not a bad thing if you're famous. It's just, quite honestly, most of the people aren't open and receptive to the truth of the gospel. It's just... Not many of you had great influence. Not many of you came from important families. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And he chose the weak things of the world uh, to shame the strong. He chose what the world thinks is unimportant and what the world looks down on and thinks is nothing in order to destroy what the world thinks is important. That's why God does it. God did this so that no one can brag in his presence. Because of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. In Christ, we are put right with God and have been made holy and have been set free from sin. So as the scripture says, if people want to brag, they should brag only about the Lord. Yeah, see, that's what God said. Oh, Gideon, I don't care what family you're from. Clay, I don't care. Y'all, some of y'all, uh, um, this is overtime. but you, you ask my wife, you tell my wife, if you, if you had said to my wife 30 years ago that I would someday stand before people and talk out loud, like like actually say something, she would, she would say, you have lost it. You clearly do not know. You clearly do not know this man. Uh, but God doesn't, he doesn't care about any of that stuff. He says, man, I'm not, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it so that, so that my name can be magnified in the world and more people can see my power demonstrated and those people then will turn to me and receive my as their Savior and, and their lives and their eternal destinies can be changed. God knows you better than you know you. And your inadequacies are simply his opportunities. And he demonstrates his power in and through your life if you will trust him. In 2017, are you willing to trust God in a way that perhaps you never have yet to this point? Listen, this, this, this year... Uh, we, one of the things that we say across Culture is that life is a mission trip. We say that life is a mission trip. It's understanding that everywhere I go, every person I engage, I should be looking at them from the perspective of where will that person spend eternity. And that missions doesn't begin when, it, when I go across the world. Missions begins when I go across my threshold or maybe even in my own home. But life is a mission trip. Uh, th- this year, a couple places we've got planned... It, that are part of that, uh, of our strategy uh, of going here, there, and everywhere. We got, a, we got a trip going to Boston in July to work with, 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 uh, with, with the Rhodes family and the Hopkins family and, and doing a, a soccer camp up there and drawing kids in. We're going to send a team of 15 or 16 people up there. If 15 or 16 of y'all saying, yeah, I'm going, I'll give up a week of my vacation to go do that. And then in August, early August, we got a trip going to Peru. We can take 15 or 16 people uh, to Peru who are going to go down there and, and work with an existing church. We've done some work there a few years ago. They're doing a new church work in another part uh, in, a, in a village uh, out from the current village where they are. And we need 15 or 16 people to go down there. That's, that's good. What do you think of it. That's good. But no, because I'm the heavens to Murgatroyd. Me? Me in Peru? Me get on a plane? Me get a passport me open my bible and and have a translator or walk the streets of boston and, and help kids understand about god. or me go to my workplace or my school and say praise god let me tell you what he's done in my life Jerry, what are you willing to believe god for in 2017
0: gideon learned a valuable lesson didn't he he learned that god knew gideon better than gideon knew himself Gideon didn't think he was big enough, or strong enough, or important enough to make a difference. God was teaching Gideon and us that our impossibilities are simply God's opportunities. In our lives, the things that seem impossible to us are really simply an opportunity for God to show His might and power, and to teach us that we can trust God to use us as He knows His best. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, discovering how to really live in the promises of God.
1: My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and peace purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many
0: people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis.
1: What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting?
0: to get it and join us here each week online for another crosswalk message God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 10.30 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships, and instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.
1: I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know...
0: new church for people like you cross culture church taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross